We are continuing this morning in a series that we've been engaged in during the season of Lent called Soul Reset. It's based around a book by Dr. Junius Dotson of the same title. And each week we've been looking at ways in which we can get back to sort of the basics of our faith. When, when we feel burned out in our lives or in our faith, where we feel burned out by uh, religion or by expectations, um, what are those things that we can get back into? What are those basic practices, those simple reminders of simply being with God and coming to to rest. That's what we've been talking about this Lent, and what an important series that we could not have imagined how important it would be when we first planned it, and I'm thankful that we're continuing in it this week, as today we're going to look at, as Miss Jennifer said, we're going to look at a story about two sisters named Mary and Martha, but before we do that, it's important to know the story that comes first. In Luke chapter 10, it's something really interesting that happens. There's these two stories back to back. One is Mary and Martha. That's at the very end. But just before it, Jesus encounters a Jewish religious leader uh, named, uh, that goes unnamed actually, and he just asks Jesus, how do I get into heaven? Um, he's a scholar type. He's, he's a legalistic, legal-minded type. Maybe you know someone like this. And, and he's trying to almost trick Jesus into giving a wrong answer. How do I get into heaven? And Jesus gives him the same answer that's always been true. He says, love God and love your neighbor. That's been true all throughout Scripture. It's always been how we walk humbly with our Lord. And, and the leader, this religious scholar says, okay, but Jesus, who, who's my neighbor? And when Jesus hears this question, he tells a story. Now, frequently, Jesus was a teacher who didn't just tell us what to do. He would show us an illustration. He would talk in parables, these, these stories that he, would, that he would make up that would illustrate a deeper point, a deeper meaning. So he tells the story. There's a Jewish man walking uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho, a busy highway thoroughfare. Lots of people would have traveled this route. And he's attacked by bandits. He's beaten up. His money is taken, and he's left for dead. Then walking from Jericho to Jerusalem comes a priest, Right, a pastor, a type of person you'd expect to help, right? And this priest, he walks by, he sees the man laying there, and what does he do? He thinks about all the important things he has to do at the temple that day, all of the work that he has before him, the important job that he has to fulfill, and all the things in Jerusalem waiting for him, and so he doesn't stop. He keeps going. And then comes a Levite. The Levites were like the assistant priests or the assistant to the priest. These were the ones who were helping the priests out in the temple, and he sees the man too, but he thinks about all that he has to do, all the work, all the busyness. And so just like the priest, he keeps walking. And then comes a Samaritan. And maybe that word doesn't mean a lot to us today, but, but back in Jesus' time, when he said the word Samaritan to a crowd of Jews, that would have made them go, <gasps> Because a Samaritan was someone who was a part of a people group that were neighboring to the Jews, but they were in you know, deep hatred of one another, going back centuries. They did not like each other. Jews didn't like Samaritans, and Samaritans didn't like Jews. So to, Samaritan comes down the road, and he sees the man, and what do you think happens? Something changes within him, and he stops. And he goes to the man and, and he picks him up, he puts him on his animal, he takes him to an inn, he, he pays for his care, his stay, until he's perfectly healthy and asks for nothing in return. This is where we get the phrase, the good Samaritan. Maybe you've never heard the story, but you know what a good Samaritan is. And it's at this point when Jesus is done telling the story that he says this to the man who asked the question. He says, and you'll see this on your screens, what do you think? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves. 
Then the legal expert said to Jesus, the one who demonstrated mercy toward him. And Jesus said, now hear this, Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. And now we get to the story of the sisters. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. And so Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha. You are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part, and it won't be taken from her. So there's some tension in these two stories. This is why I wanted us to back up a moment. Before we can talk about Mary and Martha, we had to understand the story of the Good Samaritan because did you hear what Jesus told us? It's this great instructional story, and he says very clearly, go and do Now, a lot of us like hearing that. Go and do. Great. I got plans. I've got an action item. I got work I can do. I can get busy. Yes. But then we hear the story about two sisters. And then Jesus seems to be stopping Martha, who's doing, and instead he's celebrating Mary, who is sitting and listening. So is it go and do, or is it sit and listen? Which one is it? Let's talk about these two stories and how they're more alike than I think we first realized and how Mary and the Good Samaritan are more alike than maybe we know. Let's talk about going and doing for a second. When Jesus says go and do to the, to the crowd gathered listening to his story about the Good Samaritan, when Jesus says go and do, he doesn't mean to be busy. A lot of us hear go and do, and we interpret that to mean we need to be busy in our lives. We need to be doing, 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 going, going, going all the time. Well, guess what? The priest was going and doing. The Levite, the assistant to the priest, was going and doing. So when Jesus says go and do, he doesn't just mean be busy. I bet this past week has been incredibly difficult for a lot of us. A lot of us who are very comfortable going and doing. If that's you, go ahead and say out loud, whoever you're with, say, that's me. Type it in the chat. It's great to see y'all this morning in our chat this morning. It's great to see people like Jenny and the Oaks. Hey, Brighton, how you doing? Jenny and Dwayne also. It's good to see y'all. The Truscotts, hey, Alley Cat. How many of us love to go and do? I bet you know someone like that or maybe you are someone like that. And this past week has been a struggle. We're struggling because we hate having to come to a stop. And I don't mean like a rest for a day. I don't mean like a sit down and rest for 30 minutes. I mean coming to a stop. For many of us, our lives have been halted. And and, and we we refuse to operate out of this way. We, We hate being grounded to a halt because we cling to busyness as this thing that gives us life or value or purpose, right? We think like Martha does that if we're just busy enough, maybe people will like us. Maybe people will value us. Maybe we'll feel better about ourselves if we just stay busy enough when the reality is busyness generates burnout and not just that, not just for ourselves, but it generates resentment towards other people for everyone else that doesn't join us in our self-destructive busyness binge. Now, that may have stung for some of us listening right now. 
but I know I've been in that position where I feel like if I'm working my crazy pants off, if I'm, if I'm as busy as I've ever been, I can't stand seeing somebody else who's not as busy as me. And I think they must be lazy. I look at Mary like Martha does and, and say, why isn't she helping me? Can't she see how crazy busy I am? Well, let's think about Martha. Martha's the type of person who thinks that busyness is going to save her. She thinks that maybe if she cleans the floor well enough, or maybe if she sets the table well enough, or maybe if she cooks the food good enough, maybe it'll be good enough for her life. Maybe that will give her what she needs. And then Jesus confronts her in the midst of her busyness and her lashing out at seeing that not everybody else is as busy as she is. Jesus confronts her and he reminds her of something. He says, Martha, Martha, that was not the most important thing. You were so busy, you missed the fact that I was with you. You were so set on this dinner party that you forgot, that's not why I'm here. Jesus is reminding Martha and reminding us something really important that I think we need to hear this week. There is no amount of action that can replace being present. There is no amount of action that can replace being present. It doesn't matter how busy we want to make ourselves. That's not going to give us what we want in the end. What was the most important thing about Jesus' visit with Martha? Does the Bible tell us how clean the floors were? Or how perfectly cooked the rack of lamb was? Or even what they were eating? Does it tell us how wonderfully set the table was? No. All we see is that Jesus is there. That's the most important thing. That's what the gospel realizes is the most important thing. And Martha is missing it because she's just too busy. The problem with busyness is that it robs us of our ability to be fully present and to see, to really see what is truly important in every moment. Because so frequently what we are doing or what we think we're supposed to be doing is not at all what God is calling us to do. We get so busy that we're unable to truly see what God is calling us to see. Let's go back to that Good Samaritan story for a second. You noticed in the story, if you go back and read your Bibles, I hope you do, in Luke chapter 10, it tells us that the priest and the Levite both see the man. They see the man who's been beaten up, bloodied, and, and robbed, but they don't do anything. They see him. They don't really see him. What when they see him, what they see is all the work that they should be doing. They see all the busyness, busyness that's going to have to stop if they stop and help him. But then something different happens. The Samaritan comes up and he sees the man. And in scripture it says this. Let's read verse 33. We'll see this on the screens as well. It says the Samaritan who was on a journey, he had somewhere to go. He had people to see. He had business to tend to. We don't know what. He came to where the man was. But... When he saw him, when he saw him, it says he was moved with compassion. Now, I know that we may not all be Greek experts, but I did a little Googling this past week, and that word for moved with compassion in the original Greek is this beautiful word called splanknitsamai. Can you say splanknitsamai? Turn to somebody you're with or, or even just out loud. See, say splanknitsamai. Isn't it a gorgeous language? Splanknitsamai is this word that means to be moved in the deepest sense of who you are, to have something deep inside your soul be stirred into compassion, into feeling, into seeing another person. Friends, I want us to understand that the Good Samaritan was good, not just because he was busy and not because he did all these important things for the man who was injured. He was good because he was present. The Good Samaritan was good because he was able to stop on his journey, stop, 
Forget for a moment about everything that was waiting for him at the other side, at his destination. And instead, see what was in front of him. To hear, to taste, to smell, to understand the moment he was in, the precise moment that God had given him, and then to faithfully act. The good Samaritan was good because he was present, not because he was going and doing and getting and being so busy. We need to remember that we live in the real world, right? Maybe you're saying, Scott, this sounds great, being present, stopping, but my life, I've got responsibilities. I can't always just come to a halt. I can't always stop what I'm doing because I need to be present. Well, guess what? The Samaritan doesn't put his whole life on hold either. He stops and he helps the man, but then he doesn't stay there the whole time while he's recovering. He pays his, his full balance before he even leaves, and then he goes on to what he has to do. We can be present and still live in the real world. There are going to be times I get that we're going to just have to get stuff done. I'm thinking about right now the healthcare workers who don't get to stay at home, who don't get to be annoyed by their kids, who, who are working 12, 24-hour days, who are maybe even having to quarantine from their families and not see them for a long amount of time. There are times where we just have to get things done. But even in those seasons, can we stop for even just a moment and ask ourselves, what's the most important thing right now? Rather than assuming that what I've been doing is what I should be doing, or rather than assuming that what I think I should do is what I should be doing, what if I stopped and really asked myself, what's the most important thing right now? This past week, I've asked myself that question so many times when I'm in the middle of a string of emails. Is this the most important thing when my daughter is yanking on my arm? When we're trying to do some intentional learning activity with Andy and she's just not having it, is this the most important thing right now? So I want us to ask this question and consider our last seven days and also consider our next seven. And this morning, just stop and ask, what is this experience, this weird season that we are in, this challenging season that we are in, what is this experience revealing about your need for presence? Think about the ways in the last seven days that maybe you haven't been fully present. I know I haven't. There's a lot of room for me to work here. Think about your next seven and how we can be more intentional about stopping, seeing, considering what it is that God is actually calling us to, what's the most important thing in every moment. And we're not gonna get this right. Not all the time. We're gonna fail. We're gonna have days where we just get busy and get busy and get busy and hope that brings us joy and it's it's not going to. But what if we tried to live differently? What if we were the kind of people who could change our plans out of compassion? What if we were the kind of people who could sit on an unswept floor at the feet of Jesus? What if we were the kind of people who could sit and listen and go and do? Because both are true in the walk with Christ. What if we were the kind of people who could be fully present in this moment, right here, that God has given us? What could that change? Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for this time of worship. We give you thanks, God, for Facebook Live and streaming and the ability for us to be connected through technology even though we are physically apart, God. God, we offer this morning to you our own fears and anxieties, our frustrations and anger. And God, we also offer you the little joys and hopes that we've been able to share in in this past week. 
God, we give you thanks for good health. We pray for those who are not healthy. God, we give you thanks for those who are working in healthcare and other essential industries that are keeping the world running and, and, and helping to bring an end to this terrible season. We pray for them. We pray for the scientists. We pray for all of those who are working to bring about goodness and healthiness in our society. God, we pray for our kids who may not fully understand what's happening and who need parents and adults who can be present with them, who can be patient with them. God, we, we pray for us that we could be present and patient as well. God, how frequently are we the priest or the Levite or Martha, busy, 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 hoping that could bring us life and coming up empty-handed. God, would you make us more like the Good Samaritan, more like Mary. Let us to stop, to see, listen, for those in our world who need us, for our neighbors, and also for you. All this we pray in the name of the one who brings resurrection and life and redemption to all things. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen.